I'll pray and then, uh, then we'll get going here. Okay. Father, we thank you for this time. We ask that you bless it for our good, but for your name's sake, especially that you would be honored. Take this weak, feeble person, use him for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. So we're going to look at, uh, Pastor Mark's been going through this series on how Christianity has transformed the world. He's brought in four books that we've been uh, looking at, uh, tech, kind of texts that have uh, guided our thoughts on this. And um, this one is related to justice in our world, how God has used Christianity and the gospel to influence the world related to justice. So when you think of the term justice, what's the first thought that pops into your mind? It doesn't have to be biblical. could be any. Just what, the, what do you think of when you think of the word justice? Yeah. Laws and fairness. Okay. Laws, fairness, if you couldn't hear that. Anything else? Justice. Yes. The courts. Okay, the court system. Nobody thinks of with liberty and justice for all. The flag, Pledge of Allegiance. Some people think of this, though, hopefully not. Buford T. Justice, but, but think of policemen and and in a poor view, and in some cases for good reasons, but hopefully not in that view. Might think of the Supreme Court justices. Might consider the judgment of God in the last day. Even Lady Justice is all over the world uh, with these statues. Oftentimes she's blindfolded with the scales in her hands to show impartiality in various countries. Here is uh, how some people come up with justice. Okay, Tim, here I go. to a fisherman. You guys are just going to let this fish die like this? <clears throat> you know, what if, what, if, what if this was a dog and I hooked the dog through the mouth and threw her in the water? How would you guys feel about that? We don't need any animals because all animals have the same ability to feel love and pain just like we do. Would you guys agree with that? You don't, do you respect his opinion not to kill animals? 
Do you guys, you guys think that this is okay to let this fish die right here? What if this was a human child? But what if it was? They have the same ability and same emotions as a human child. That's not my opinion. That's facts, sir. That's facts from science, sir. It is facts. Have you ever looked up how fish feel pain? I'm not harassing you. You're harassing this fish right here. This fish, you're harassing. This is my duty. And my duty is to speak up for animals in need. This little child right here understands that this is wrong. And you guys don't understand this. All I'm asking is to have some compassion. The law sometimes is wrong and is unjust. The law used to say that women could not vote. The law used to say that owning black people was for good for slavery. But that is not right, sir. Killing animals is not right. It's not an opinion, it is a fact. And what? And people were owning slavery from day one too, and we stopped that, sir. And we also stopped that. Not every individual on this earth uh, and fishes either, because every individual, not every individual on this under on this earth understands that. Do you understand what the Garden of Eden was, ma'am? The Garden of Eden, they didn't eat any animals. They didn't contribute to any animal suffering. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to do that? I'm on public property. I'm allowed to be here, sir. The Bible did not. Who was the first person to ever kill an animal? God was. What did God say? What did God say? What was the first thing God said? I will give you all the fruits to eat. This is horrible. I can't. Fish feel pain just like your child does. Okay. Yeah, I can only take so much. There are so. I mean, he said some truthful things about slavery and justice, but he also said a lot of garbage. And I guess Jesus was a harasser of fish, too, because he took in some fishermen and then he served fish on the beach uh, that morning after the resurrection with his disciples. But who's deciding what is just here? It's, yeah, it's whatever they thought. Whatever they think, they, they're, they're spouting their own opinions. Uh, even these dear people who are trying to fish, they have a little grasp of truth, but they don't know where to go with it. Uh, they, they have some knowledge, but what, what's the answer to that fish and them eating it or letting it, catching it? Oh, by the way, this guy picks it up in a minute, throws it back in, and, and says, I saved his life and all this. And they said, well, later it was discovered that's tilapia, which is an invasive species that doesn't belong in there anyway. So he was, he was committing a crime by doing it. But uh, yeah, it's all kind of stuff here. Um, but the foolishness of man, of his own opinions, you think of judges where everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. The answer is the, the guys appealing to the Garden of Eden, something's happened since the Garden of Eden. We've had the fall. And so, yes. Yeah, this is true. After, after Noah gets off the ark, indeed. And, and the Lord Jesus himself eats it. So, must be okay, huh? But there, there's a, a mess of opinion. And, oh, okay, here we go. Let's go out of here, other way. Keep going. Keep going. 
There we go. Thank you. <coughs> so, the answer to the fish problem is we aren't fish. They were right there. And we are what? We're image bearers of God. That's both makes us different. Yes? Both of them in their arguments were using scripture. Yeah. Yeah. So, every person on this earth has a sense of justice, but it's been marred by the fall, hasn't it? They, they know there's something just in what they're saying, but it's, it's distorted, it's messed up. Um, and Paul explains that in Romans 2 when he said, when Gentiles who do not have the law but by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. So what is justice? I mean, there, there are a million ways of looking at justice, but for this morning, we're speaking of justice in terms of upholding that which is good and punishing what is evil. That's, that's our definition of, of justice here. And what's that rooted in? It's rooted in the goodness and righteousness of God himself, who is the supreme judge. Okay? So how has the world been changed by Christianity in the realm of justice? We're only going to briefly touch on a, a, some areas. Uh, this is not a <laughs> completely extensive worldview, but it'll give you a little taste of how its impact been, uh, the world has been Im impacted in the realm of justice. Glenn Scrivener tells this story. He says, an older goldfish swishes past a couple of small fry. How's the water, boys, he inquires. Water, they ask. What's water? Well, goldfish don't see water. Goldfish see what's in the water. They see what's refracted through the water, but I assume that goldfish don't see the water itself. And yet there it is. It's their environment, universal but invisible. It shapes everything they do and everything they see, but they don't see it. And um, if you live in Western civilization, whether you've stepped into a church or not, whether you've looked at a Bible or not, whether you consider yourself an atheist, pagan, vegan, or carnivore, we're goldfish and Christianity is the air in which we swim. This argument's been applied to uh, inequalities uh, of people, racial injustice, that kind of thing. We're applying it here to uh, even broader spectrum that we're so used to it in Western society that we don't even understand its, its underpinnings or the roots of, of what is just in our society and where, where those justices come from. Uh, of course, from God. In Sharon James' book, she discusses that the liberty and justice that are enjoyed by humans in Western societies and in some non-Western countries are increasingly seen as the products of a benevolent secular government that is the provider of all things. And there seems to be no awareness that our liberties and rights are 
that are currently operative in free societies are to a great degree the result of Christianity's influence throughout history since the cross. And Greg Bonson talked about it as borrowed capital whenever a non-Christian is making these moral judgments on various matters of life, he says that the only reason they're able to do that is they're using a Christian framework and then denying it. They use the Christian framework to say, this is not good, this is good. Well, what's that based on? A lot of the principles that they're basing their right and wrong on are based on God's standard. But then they jump off of that and say, but we don't believe in God. And so Bonson used the, the illustration of a, the only reason a small child can slap their mom in the face when, is because the mom's holding it in, in her lap. In other words, they're dependent on that parent holding them close enough to where they can be slapped. So the non-Christian who says, I have a system of morality is using God slapping him in the face, so to speak, when they couldn't even use a system of morality apart from God. I don't know if that makes sense, but borrowed capital. They're borrowing from God to make their defense that there's good and evil apart from God. Can't do it. Yes? Take him, take him to after the flood. Take him to Jesus eating fish. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't believe those parts. Yeah. So, some influencers. You're familiar with Constantine. Uh, he was the Roman emperor in the early part of the 4th century. He was the first em, uh, emperor to convert to Christianity. And then he issued the edict that it became law. Whether that was right or not, uh, it, it had an impact on history because Christians were no longer persecuted under Roman law and, uh, and allowed them some, some liberties that they had not had, like living. <laughs> so uh, the influence of Constantine, he was influenced by Christian thought. We have the architects of civic freedom and justice in our society who impacted, well, who impacted our society, Western civilization. People like Ambrose, Stephen Langton, John Locke, Baron de Montesquieu, uh, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison. They all drew extensively from the Christian principle of justice and liberty. Not saying all of these were believers, but they drew from that. For example, Ambrose was the Bishop of Milan in the fourth century. Do y'all know who, anybody know who Ambrose, Ambrose was? I started asking Rayanne some of these, and I was like, oh good, because we were all taught it in, in history and nobody remembers. So <laughs> uh, Ambrose, this Bishop, uh, fought against Arianism and Paganism, was a Roman governor prior to that. He called Theodosius, the Christian emperor, to repentance after he had wiped out 
uh, 7,000 or more rioters, he overreacted to it, had them killed, and uh, Ambrose came to him and called him to repentance. And at first he, he pushed back, later he, he repented. And uh, some have said it was more the church trying to overrun the state. Uh, this woman who wrote the book's opinion was that Ambrose's heart was for the emperor and that he wanted to see true repentance in his life. So that set the stage for what? Does anybody know the big document? Big document. Big letter, big charter called Magna Carta. Okay? Magna Carta, uh, which means great charter. Anybody know, remember Magna Carta? Okay? I, I, I didn't remember Magna Carta until I had to do homeschooling with my kids and had to relearn it. But the impact of Magna Carta on our society is quite significant. That is in 1215, and it said that justice could no longer be so, sold or denied to freemen who were under the authority of the barons, that no taxes were to be levied without representation, that no one could be imprisoned without a trial, that property could not be taken from the owner without just compensation, and no one, not even the king, was above the law. Uh, it's said to have ushered in English liberty and justice, and 500 years later, a lot of our uh, forefathers appealed to Magna Carta on the basis of American independence in support of their arguments. And it began with, and this is uh, John, um, King John of England, John, by the grace of God, and stated it was form formulated out of reverence and honor for God. So he was, he was put under a lot of pressure, and that pressure was put on by Stephen Langton. Anybody remember that name? I didn't have a clue who Stephen Langton was. Um, but he was Archbishop of Canterbury in 1215. He wrote the first draft of Magna Carta to make peace between King John and a group of rebel barons. And it promised, the, as we read earlier, the protection of church rights, illegal imprisonment of the barons, access to swift justice, limitations on feudal payments to the crown. And though later neither side kept their commitment to it uh, because it was annulled by Innocent III, it went viral in the public and people started uh, paying attention to that, that law that had been passed and uh, embracing it for themselves. Dwayne, do you have anything to add to that? Because I, I saw you raise your hand there. You may even be able to clarify anything I misrepresented there. Yes, divided the Bible up. Yes, thank you. Okay? Yeah, more influence, huh? Okay? We've got John Locke. Now, I've often... Anybody familiar with John Locke? I've heard the Locke Foundation, like there's some foundation that 
donates money to public TV or something. I don't know if that's the same lock or not. That's all I know uh, or knew. But he was a 17th century doctor and a political philosopher who made the application of natural law and applying it to government. Uh, some have said he wasn't a believer. Others have said near the end of his life he became a believer. And uh, there are some, some encouraging statements he made later in life, but his early work was based on natural law. And uh, natu- natural law, though not communicated in a visible or audible manner, was known to man because God had made it known to them and that all, known, all know right and wrong as image bearers of God, as we've already stated. So... He, he used Romans 2, 14, and 15 dealing with the conscience of man. When Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are law to themselves. Even though they don't have the law, they show the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or excuse them. So he maintained that government existed merely to uphold natural law and that governmental tyranny violated the natural rights of men. And those ideas continued with Americans, uh, the American patriots, whose concept of natural law argued for the natural rights of the American colonists. And in the Declaration of Independence, you hear these ideas in what? Inalienable rights. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created. Nature's God. Yeah, nature's God is another one. So here are some of the uh, principles of justice that have been derived from uh, various people through history. Moses, the law and the Ten Commandments. That uh, statue of Moses that's in our uh, capital system, I think it's, is it in the House or the Senate? Or the Supreme Court. We have this this huge statue of Moses given the law. Um, and many of our laws come out of that. Capital punishment came out of that. Or even earlier in, in uh, Genesis with, um, with Noah, or excuse me, with Cain and God telling... Uh, Cain, that whoever sheds, no, excuse me, I'm mixing up my thoughts here. Uh, Whoever sheds blood by man shall his blood be shed. So that was after Noah. Okay, so we have uh, Moses with the law. Uh, The statement that we often talk about in judicial system when there's a, a trial, two or more witnesses. That came out of Deuteronomy with uh, Moses saying that there must be two or more witnesses to establish the, the fact. Uh, Jesus, of course, in the Sermon on the Mount, that statement, give to Caesars what is Caesars and to God what is God's. We're to pay taxes. That's a, a, a legitimate thing that God established. Uh, Ambrose no one above the law. Stephen Langton, we talked about Magna Carta. Martin Luther, church and state are separate realms. John Locke, rights are not given by government, 
by, by the laws of nature. Thomas Jefferson, God has given people unalienable rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Some of these are pushed further than what the Bible states, but the principles underlying them come from biblical concepts. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, house divided against itself cannot stand. Uh, the Emancipation Proclamation, setting captives free. Uh, Martin Luther King, all men are created in God's image and have equal rights. All these things have had impact on our Western culture and society and on America uh, particularly. And I could go on, but I'd rather go to the big influencer of justice. And since the beginning of creation, the Garden of Eden, God established justice in this world with Adam, and because of Adam's sin, it has influenced, changed, and shaped everything. God established a command for Adam and Eve to obey for their good with the warning, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it you shall surely die. They ate of it. What happened? Justice. They died spiritually and began to die physically. God's justice was what? It was swift. And it was complete. And they and all their offspring were under God's judgment. And there was no hope unless God intervened. They were doomed and sentenced to death. God executed judgment on the serpent as well and spoke of a day when justice would be fully delivered to him. He will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. There's coming a day of justice for you, serpent. And it came at the cross. God revealed his justice in the flood, didn't he? Man had become corrupt on the earth so that every inclination of the heart was only evil continually. And God sends a flood in justice. Abraham had learned that God was just in his ways. When the Lord appears to Abraham with the visitors that they're going to Sodom and Gomorrah to wipe it out, was Abraham appealed to? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. And he appeals to God asking for fewer and fewer people. And he, the Lord <laughs> listens to him six different times that God is willing to spare, 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 spare. If there are ten righteous, they finally get down to Abraham, the next morning, sees Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed, and he probably wonders what happened to Lot. He doesn't know that it, the Lord took Lot by the hand, because he didn't want to leave, out of Sodom. God was righteous and just in sending the destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah. Has that changed the world? It's, it's a pointer, isn't it? Sodom's brought up in the New Testament as well as a reminder of what judgment is coming against those who are sexually immoral or proud. 
How about Joseph? Did God reveal his justice in Joseph's life? It looks like everything's going horribly for Joseph. And in the end, God is just and good in redeeming a horrible situation for his glory and for Joseph's good and for the nation of Israel to come that their family is spared in the famine. And Joseph is aware that God is over it all. You meant for evil, God meant it for good. God is just in his ways. How about later in the Exodus, or rather in the ten plagues, those show God's justice on Egypt, don't they? God's hatred of, of a wicked ruler and, and what befell them because of, of Pharaoh's hard heart. And what does God bring? He brings a death angel of judgment as well. And in the midst of it, he's showing mercy. How about God's justice revealed at Mount Sinai when God gives the Ten Commandments as well as all of his law to Moses and the people for their good? It revealed God's character of justice, of goodness, of rightness, of holiness. want to play a video about the... We often think of God's justice as only his judgment, but it's also his goodness in restraining sin. And uh, this is a video... This is a gentleman's... Uh, speaking to a college group about God's goodness in his law. But here's the thing. Here's what can happen with you guys, and I know this too. Some of you will only ask tough questions about Christianity. You won't ask tough questions about the culture. It's like a one-way skepticism. So I'd like to propose to you that God's restrictions are actually really good. And I'd like you to be skeptical about what our culture says about how to live. And here's what I mean by this. Let's just take, let's say, this is crazy, right? Let's say just one area we obeyed God. All of us, everybody in the world obeyed God, just one area. And let's say that area is human sexuality. All right? So let's just say, let's just pretend. I mean, the Christian ethic about sex is marriage man woman all that sort of stuff like people will be like this is this is totally out of step how retrograde this is okay 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 okay, it's fine okay so it is it's, it's very odd compared to the culture but let's say we obeyed god in one area and that's human sexuality we wouldn't have a need for a me too movement there wouldn't be sexual harassment of women there wouldn't be sexual assault we wouldn't have to worry about that no more sexual assault. There wouldn't be broken families from infidelity. There wouldn't be diseases. As you know, before before we decided to like adapt our own sexual ethic in America, there were two known sexual transmitted diseases. Now there's more than 30. Like just in the past five years, I saw the stats on this. 
mean, maybe you've heard this. I don't want to bore you. What I want to do is make you think, like, let's actually compare two worldviews and let's see which one actually works and which doesn't. But chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, up like 60, 70 percent in the last five years. Millions of people die from sexually transmitted diseases. I'm not, again, I'm not scared. What if we obeyed God? None of that would happen. None of that would have happened. There wouldn't be human trafficking. If we obey God in one area, because most of that is fueled by pornography and sexual addiction and, and sexual enslavement. If we obey God in one area, we wouldn't have that. We wouldn't have had millions of abortions over the decades, which nobody thinks is a good thing. Millions wouldn't have had it. Fatherlessness and all the stuff that comes with that. And I grew up with a single mom. All of that and how that plays into so many of the things that we struggle with, we wouldn't have to be grappling with that. It would be almost a non-issue. <laughs> we chose this. And the audacity, honestly, for people to look at, like, well, what, what God wants, his restrictions are really, like, that's just ridiculous. Really, is it? How's this working? How's our culture working? You got the guts to ask that? Very good. The goodness of God and his law. We, we don't keep it, but it's good, isn't it? Right now time. How about God's justice with Samson and the judges? Everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. God is just, and he punishes them. And he gives them over to their enemies. What happens? They cry out for a deliverer. What does God do? He gives them one. As long as the deliverer's alive, they're doing good. As soon as the deliverer dies, back to their old ways and become more corrupt than previous. What does God do? They cry out. He sends them. Happened over and over again in the judges. And Samson is an example of God's justice, even with his immoral life. He he got some of his just desserts, and yet God, in in the last day, gave him a, a deliverance of. He killed more of his enemies by his death than by his life, and that points to a future deliverer, doesn't it? King David, what could we say about David? Righteous young man, Lord raises up. Eventually, even he fails, doesn't he? God was just in punishing David for his immorality with Bathsheba, and he suffered greatly as a result. How about his son Solomon? Justice shown in the baby being cut in half shows the wisdom of God in justice. Really didn't want to cut in half, but it shows the wisdom of the spirit of the law as important as the letter of the law. How about justice shown in the life of Jonah, guy who doesn't want to go preach to the Ninevites? And what's God do? 
he delivers Nineveh through a guy who didn't want to do it. And God shows his great compassion to people who don't know their right hand from their left, as he says. But not only do we get these pictures of these big leaders in, in biblical history, we get these pictures of God's justice for those that got nothing. For a Gentile woman and her son who had died. And Elijah raising him from the dead. God's goodness to her. Or the widow of Zarephath who had the oil supplied. Uh, God's goodness in the midst of judgment of, of Israel. Or how about Queen Esther and, and Haman? Haman being justly hung by his own gallows. We see God's justice continue in the book of Daniel where the king is wicked and makes decrees that are ungodly. And God justly delivers Daniel and justly delivers Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God defines justice by what he does because of who he is. In Deuteronomy, it describes him as the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just. Justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Psalm 9, 7, and 8. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He's established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness, and he judges the people with uprightness. This is our God. What are the foundations of his throne? Righteousness and justice. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before him. It says that in Psalm 10, O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. God's heart in justice is for the weak, the outcast, the fatherless, the oppressed, where was his justice greatest magnified? For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there's no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be what? Just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus.
I'm going to skip real quick. As image bearers and followers of Jesus, we are also to give justice to the weak and the fatherless and maintain the right of the afflicted and destitute. We're to learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, break, bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. Micah 6, 8, you know, we're to walk, do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. We're to learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless. I think I did that one twice, didn't I? Well, that's just in the Old Testament, was Jesus say. Woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. We're to be just in our actions. In the Song of Moses, the servant of God, and the Song of the Lamb, we have justice revealed in God's last chapter of the Bible. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you for your righteous acts have been revealed. I think uh, I had a song for us to sing, uh, but I'm going to stop because it's time to go. So let's pray and I will let you go. Just are you, O Lord, in all of your ways. Righteous are you, holy, different from us, so different, infinitely different and holy. And yet we thank you for the cross that justice was satisfied there. Your justice against our sin, our unrighteousness, you took upon yourself and you bore it all. And we thank you that we have such a, a justifier as you who declares us righteous because of what Christ has done. Nothing of ourselves. What has changed the world more than that? Nothing. So we want to worship you this morning. Our great God, have your way in our hearts, we pray. Amen.